0: Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, 14th of January, and our market doing rather well. We're up 29 points as I speak. And that came on the back of the Dow Jones down eight points and the SPY futures up seven. So doing better than expected. And that's despite the oil price down a bit and the iron ore price down 1.37 percent. And part of the reason for the market doing so well today is APT up 8%. Morgan Stanley have lifted their target price to $136. The price at the moment is $118, although it's up over $8 today. And also on the back of the Affirm IPO in the US, Affirm Holdings, which was founded by the same guy that founded PayPal or co-founder of PayPal. And on the first day, the Affirm IPO last night was up 98%, taking its market cap to 30.4 billion Aussie dollars, 23.6 billion US dollars, which makes it close to the 33.8 billion market cap of Afterpay, who of course are in the US. So, that all washing over the BNPL sector today. Zip as well is up 5.1%, but it's mostly APT and Zip. The others are a bit quiet today. Also running today is the bank sector. We've got Westpac up 2.2%. There's a bit of research out from one of the bank analysts in the AFR today who is suggesting that the banks are going to return to payout ratios of around 70% from the current 50%. And that the CBA, which I've mentioned, over the last couple of days, the big day for the bank sector over the next month is the 10th of February when the CBA produce their results. And they will provide us with a lead on how quickly the rest of the bank sector is going to normalize dividends. Whatever they do, the other banks will follow. So look out for February the 10th, and the suggestion in the AFR is that the payout ratios will be increased, not quite back to the 90% that we were used to at one point, but 70 to 80%, and the banks are enjoying that thought. And I have to tell you that in our income portfolio, we have upped all our bank holdings today. We've also inched a little bit more money into resources. We're concerned about holding too much cash in the growth portfolio. Uh, so we're trying to run down the cash And we've also upped our energy holdings, having halved them in December foolishly and happy, even though they're a bit frothy at the moment, happy to take a bet on the energy sector for the year ahead. It is one of the obvious recovery sectors should the vaccine rollout go as expected. And there is still a lot of ground to be made up in that sector compared to the highs last year. So all in all, things running quite nicely today. Also in tech, we've got WiseTech up 3.6% and ProMedicus is up 13% today. Now today, Chris has started a new section, which will be sporadic rather than every day called StockWatch, where we're going to cover With a video, a stock of interest on a particular day. So today, ProMedicus, because they've announced a contract and gone up 13%. But have a look in the trading ideas section for Chris's video called Stock Watch on ProMedicus today. And we hope to do those regularly. Also performing finally today is Cochlear up 4.2% and CSL is up 0.7%, not a lot. But these healthcare stocks have struggled with the rising Aussie dollar, which has just topped out a tiny ween a little bit, 77.37 at the moment. A strong Aussie dollar is not good for big international stocks. And these stocks have underperformed whilst the market's been recovering, having a better day today. Market-wise, we are looking to be fully invested at the moment. We have the announcement tonight of the Democrats' financial plan and vaccination plan both of which should be positive for the market the financial plan Could run to trillions if it includes infrastructure spending and other spending measures on top of a rescue or coronavirus rescue package, which should be worth up to a trillion. Anyway, should make some good headlines tomorrow. Market still ignoring the impeachment issue, which doesn't look like happening before inauguration. Anyway, right now, with a bit of time on our hands, I thought I would just cover a little bit of education today. There was a member question in the stock discussion group over the last couple of days from Michael, who has been trying to get a handle on just how high can stocks go? And are there fundamentals that can tell you that unless something changes, has a stock run as far as it's likely to go? As Michael says, everyone's been reinterpreting his question and answering their own question. And I'm going to do the same thing. Sorry, Michael. I'm going to do a quick fundamental analysis of CDA at the end, or or CODEN, which is the stock he was asking the question about. I'll do that in a minute. It'll bore the pants off you and probably won't help anyway. But Michael's question prompted me to write about something that I have discussed with Ben and Chris and Henry and Tom recently, which is why sensible fund managers like us didn't ride APT from beginning to end and we chopped out and got back in and don't currently hold it. And the noises of the finger waggers, some of the research we've read over the last few months telling us how ridiculously overpriced Afterpay was before it again doubled. It's up 980% is it since the low in March with finger waggers all the way up. Now the point I wanted to make today is something you all need to take on board and Marcus Today members who have been around for a while will know this already, but somehow we have to pick up on stocks like Afterpay and you're not going to do it on fundamental analysis. So my comment today, I'll leave you to read most of it, but my comment today is to say to Marcus Today members that please understand fundamental analysis only works on certain companies. There is a whole world of stocks with solid fundamentals and without solid fundamentals. And someone like APT doesn't appear to have solid fundamentals. They don't have any earnings. They defy, if companies like that defy fundamental analysis, and everyone needs to get their head around the fact that you can't rely on fundamental analysis all the time. Traditional, Buffett-esque, number-based, sound-safe, fundamental and particularly value-based analysis has significant limits. If you automatically adopt fundamental analysis as the template when you start investing, you will, from the very beginning, ab initio, as I've written in there, but I thought I'd explain it because not all of you are Latin scholars... Ab initio, from the beginning, you are significantly limiting your universe of investable stocks if you you set out to be fundamental. And you also position yourself doing research, which is very competitive, predictable, unimaginative, and is based on consensus forecasts, which everyone is using, which means that you are doing a commodity style process and doing exactly the same as everybody else is doing. And that leaves you no edge. And Marcus Today members who have read some of our stuff over the years will know if you assume some element of an efficient market hypothesis, which means that all knowable information is reflected in a share price at all times. If that was true, then you begin to realize that you will not make money out of knowing what everybody else knows. The only way you'll make money is by guessing... (laughs) if it's a guess, or knowing what other people don't know. I remember Jeff Wilson saying, he with the most information wins. Well, if you consider that if BHP makes its forecast this year, what will the share price do when the results come out? It won't do anything because it's expected. What moves the share price is the unexpected. So by definition, in order to make money in the stock market, you have to correctly guess what is unexpected or correctly know what is unexpected or find out what is unexpected. And if you adopt fundamental analysis, you are adopting the analysis of what everybody else knows. Because all fundamental analysis is based on, or majority of it, is based on consensus forecasts. Everybody's got them. So if you adopt fundamental analysis and the use of, of consensus forecasts as your value add to your investment, then you're putting yourself on the lowest rung of insight <laughs> when it comes to exploiting the unrecognized and most lucrative opportunities in the stock market, which are the bits that other people don't know. Also, if you use fundamental analysis, it only works on stocks that have numbers. It's not going to work on APT because it's not making a profit. And if it's earnings based and intrinsic valuations are done on earnings and PEs and PE histories are done on earnings, you need a long history of it. If those are the only stocks you're going to look at, then you're corralling yourself into a group of stocks that are generally large, obvious, conventional, lower growth, slower moving... And more important than that, you're going to exclude yourself from investing in any stock that doesn't make money or doesn't have an earnings record. And that is where the big money in individual stocks is going to get, be made. That's where stock pickers are going to make their money. So how do you identify the companies that don't stack up on fundamentals, the afterpays? Well, it's not easy, is it? I'll get to that in a minute. But there is a theme that is currently running through particularly the globalization over the Internet of certain businesses, which is that these companies like Afterpay or Amazon are identifying or car sales or realestate.com are identifying a spot in the market, a land grab, some revolution or some data building, database building opportunity or a first mover advantage an opportunity, an edge that will disappear to the competition if they don't move fast. And in order to exploit it, they need capital. And that means doing things that don't look attractive on fundamentals, significant capital raisings, earnings dilution, reinvesting every dollar of your profit and more. And that means these companies show little to no declared taxable, visible or analyzable earnings So they fail on every measure, including intrinsic value, return on equity, earnings growth, dividend growth. PE yield—they fail on every metric. Another example, obvious example, is something like Amazon. I've looked at all the Amazon numbers and put up the chart of their first five years as a listed company between 1994 and 2002. Amazon didn't make a profit, and you'll see the chart from when they listed in I think '97. It shot up from what must have been a couple of dollars to a hundred dollars, and then fell all the way over again to below ten dollars. And over that period of time, they built up their revenue from close to zero to five point two billion, but still didn't declare a profit because they were building the business. They were in a global land grab to become the largest Western online retailer. They're still in that land grab, and that takes capital and hence no dividends. And they still don't pay a dividend because they're still building their business. And they reinvested all their earnings until 2002 when they started to declare a profit. It's not make a profit, they had a gross profit. They could have reported a profit if they wanted, but they chose to reinvest until 2003. They started to make money, and that's Similar to where Afterpay is now, it's about to start making positive earnings. At the moment, it's on a P of something like minus 2000 and it scares all the chickens off. But at some point, it can turn on the profit tap and start reporting earnings. And that's what Amazon did in 2003. And since then, the share price has gone from $10.00. Remember, it listed around $2 by the looks of it. It went to went to $100 down to $10 again. Then it started reporting a profit and the share price now it was $10 in 2002. It's now at $3,165. And Bezos is what the second richest man in the world now. And I've put a chart of Amazon from listing and in Amazon in its first five years of listing in the strategy piece today. You have a look at that. And now I've put up in the strategy piece, or then I've put up the afterpay, last five years of revenue, which has gone from 1.7 million in 2016 to 29 million, 142, 264, and last year 519 million. and their gross profit. Has gone from 1.4 million to 384 million this year or last year, but their net income is a loss. So they lost 19.8 million this year on 500 million dollars worth of revenue. And they, the point is, and earnings have been negative. The point is, they have chosen to do that. They are pursuing this opportunity as credit cards get replaced by buy now, pay later. Meanwhile, the share price is up 987 percent from March last year. And the value investors are stuck in the mud with their intelligent investor approach, quoting fundamental numbers, ripping their hair out, wondering why the share price is going up and they don't hold it. And it's because they're focusing on earnings. Meanwhile, a few smarter brokers and investors are buying into the concept of credit cards being replaced by buy now, pay later and appreciating what's going on without the need for a PE, profit or yield to justify the share price. Anyway, that's the example. But the point is, the obvious conclusion is that fundamental analysis has its limits. It's going to exclude the best market opportunities and excludes them because they haven't got a mature earnings record and dividends. So we all of us need to constantly look beyond what I would consider to be very basic value judgment like PE intrinsic value and yield because whilst they can allow you to judge the share price Of a company, of a larger, mature, reliable earnings producing company, you're going to miss some of the most exciting stocks in the market, which are stocks on high PEs or no PEs, have no intrinsic value because they've got no earnings, are raising capital all the time because they're funding growth and have enthusiastic brokers behind them with ridiculous valuations, whilst all the value investors continue wagging their Bottom line, the point I'm trying to make is that fundamental analysis is mainstream. It's a commodity and offers little in the way of an edge to stock pickers. So Marcus today, members, open your minds because there is another world of concept rather than numbers based analysis of stocks that dumbfound value analysis, but still offer Fabulous value. Right, rant over. That brings us back to Michael's question about Kodan and are there fundamentals that can tell you that it is run as far as it's likely to go? If there are well-accepted fundamentals and if the company was to hit its forecasts, then you can fairly easily say whether Kodan, which is a $2 billion stock which listed 17 years ago. So there are lots of numbers, history and forecasts. On the fundamentals, assuming they're right, you can make a judgment on whether the stock's expensive or not. It's currently on a forward PE, which is a forecast PE for this year of 25.8 times. I've put a chart of Kodan's PE history since it listed and you'll see that 25.8 times is as high or as expensive as it's been in its listed history. It's also trading pretty much in line with broker target forecasts or target prices. All of them have buy recommendations, by the way. It's 7% above intrinsic value. And on the plus side has little debt, solid revenue, solid earnings growth, and a 32% return on equity. It's also, and I think this is probably why it's been driven recently, it's also close to going into the ASX 200, which puts it on the radar of a lot of benchmarked fund managers who haven't looked at it before and will buy it just because it's going into the index. But you can say that fundamentally, when you look at intrinsic value, Kodan is looking fully valued. And when you look at its PE history, it's looking fully valued compared to its history. But that's all you can say. What fundamental analysis doesn't tell you is whether there is some concept behind the recent share price rise, which is not in the forecast, is not generally known, and has been driving the share price up and justifies the share price Being where it is, because if there is a series of or or higher than expected earnings growth about to appear, then this P.E. is going to drop without the share price having to drop at all because the earnings are higher than expected or higher than forecast, in which case the P.E. drops because the E in the P.E. goes up even though the price doesn't have to go anywhere. So you can see that the edge to investment is knowing stuff that other people don't know. As I say, Jeff Wilson once said to me, he with the most information wins. And when you consider that what moves the share price is the unknown rather than what's already known, then you begin to realize that's correct. You need to know what other people don't know. And the body of fundamental analysis and consensus forecast will not help you. And when it comes to deciding whether CODAN can go any higher of course it can if there's something going on that's not well known and no fundamentals won't help you because the fundamentals may not include what is driving the share price at the moment may not include the concept that some people know and other people don't know so Kodan could go anywhere and fundamental analysis which doesn't know the concepts doesn't know the bits other people don't know can only tell you so much and it tells you at the moment Kodan looks expensive. Right, that's about that. Last line is fundamental analysis doesn't take into account what everybody doesn't know. And that's where the money is in knowing what most people don't know. And that's called having an edge and that's what moves prices. Right, that's about that. I've got a comment on BHP and Rio. I see Deutsche Bank downgraded Rio from buy to hold. The sector looks very ritzy, but I put the PEs and yields in a paragraph today. Rio PE 13 yield 7.2, BHP 13.6 yield 7%, Fortescue 8.8 yield of 12%. Share prices can go up when they're justified and with the iron ore price where it is at the moment. The earnings on these stocks are moving higher, if not faster, than the share prices. So no need to be selling BHP and Rio. If you looked at the charts, you'd be getting scared. But if earnings are behind it, you need not get scared. And anyway, even if it is frothy, just wait for it all to fall over. Wait for the arm. Iron ore price to peak, don't predict it happening. So, hanging on to BHP, Rio, Fortescue, all of which have results in February and after the last six months, they will be fabulous results, you've got to assume. A couple of technical observations at the end there, nothing really grabbing me. You can have a look at those. One of Henry's stocks, EOS, with a little buy signal there, very short term stuff. Also on Ampol, which is ALD. IAG as well, and some sell signals on City Chic, ERA, and Meridian NG. Good, that's about that. As I leave you, market's still going up. We have the ASX 200 up 34. It's a good day. Right, Friday tomorrow. We are trying something new tomorrow to give me a bit of a break and focus on some other stuff. On Fridays, Ben is going to do a look at the sector charts which he does every Friday. It's a very important part of investment to know which sectors are going up. It's no good just looking at the market as a whole, but knowing which sectors are moving at the moment. They are the tides below the surface of the, the market ocean. And Ben's going to talk to those charts in a, we're going to do a podcast to start with in a podcast on Friday. So look after, look out for Ben's podcast tomorrow. Also look out for Ask an Analyst at five o'clock, which will be a webinar format from now on we've given up i think on the facebook issues uh look out for henry doing that on friday right that's about that have a fabulous day i will speak to you next week